From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. Those of you who are regular listeners to this podcast know that I begin the program with a brief introduction, which I hope puts the interview that follows into context. Usually, I can rely upon our shared training to provide the groundwork necessary to make the topic understandable. Not so today's topic. I had the pleasure of interviewing Gerald Liu from the University of Sydney on his paper, The Retinal Vasculature as a Fractal, Methodology, Reliability, and Relationship to Blood Pressure, published in Ophthalmology. But to provide context, I think we need more than a brief introduction. I think we need a primer, a prerequisite lecture on fractals. Today's program is my primer on fractals. We'll hear from Dr. Liu in the next podcast. As Seen From Here reaches ophthalmologists in 98 countries, transfers more than half a terabit of podcasts every month, but the potential audience is much larger. Please tell your colleagues about this free resource, Flattening the Ophthalmic World. And while you're at it, let your residents and fellows know about Open Ophthalmology, a free basic science video podcast, already a force in ophthalmic education with 1,800 viewers watching 6,000 video lectures every month. Information wants to be free. Help me give it away. I have to admit it. I am jealous of the physicists working on the Large Hadron Collider. The LHC is 27 kilometers long, is refrigerated to only 1.9 degrees Kelvin, and will have cost nearly 6 billion euros. We have nothing comparable in ophthalmology. But we do have something in common. The LHC will be probing matter to look for extra dimensions. Okay, in ophthalmology, we don't have extra dimensions, but today we are going to be talking about something equally alien, fractional dimensions. If there is any motif that draws together these podcasts, it is that of the virtues of quantifying and measuring over the butterfly collecting that goes by the name The Art of Medicine. Unfortunately, many clinical states lend themselves poorly to quantification by conventional mathematics. One of these is vascular patterns in fluorescein angiograms and color retinal photographs. We observe depletion of the vascular tree in patients with ischemic retinal disease, and we describe the expansion of the foveal avascular zone in diabetes, but we don't quantify these things. Imagine this exchange. You ask your chief resident how much a vascular pattern has been denuded, and he answers three. Okay, so if conventional Euclidean geometry lets us down on this score, perhaps we should use something else. There is another mathematical language we can employ. It's called fractal geometry. The idea is this. We describe a line as a one-dimensional shape and a plane as a two-dimensional shape. Let's be more specific. Let's say that a solid plane is completely two-dimensional. It has a dimensionality of 2.0. What about a very dense lattice, something that is very nearly a solid plane? We can describe that shape 
as having a fractional dimension very close to 2, perhaps 1.99. Similarly, a shape that is a line with just a few bifurcations is only slightly more than one-dimensional. It could have a fractional dimension of 1.05. We're beginning to see how we might quantify things like a retinal vascular pattern. Since the arborizing shape of the retina is more than a line but less than a solid plane, it must have a fractional dimension between 1 and 2. This sort of interpretation is not, however, as simple as it seems at first glance. You'd think it would be easy to assign a fractional dimension to something like a fishing net or a pair of nylon stockings, but there is an insurmountable challenge in doing this. Let's start with the case of the fishnet. If we view the net as a whole, the fractional dimension might seem to be, let's say, 1.5. But now imagine zooming in on the fishnet so that only one of its component strings fills your whole field of view. Now the pattern appears to be only a single line, a structure with a dimension of 1.0. It's of no use to us to devise a system whereby patterns have different quantitative values depending upon on which scale they are measured. To emphasize this point, the nylon stocking provides an even worse case. Viewed from the distance of a meter, the stocking appears to be a solid sheet, a structure with a dimension of 2.0. At the distance of a centimeter, the stocking looks very much like the fishing net, a structure with an intermediate dimension. From the millimeter's distance, the stocking is only a single thread of nylon and represents a one-dimensional shape. But is a true line or a solid plane scale-dependent in their dimensionality? Of course not. A plane viewed on any scale is a plane, and ditto a line. For our system of fractional dimension to be useful, it needs to be applied only to structures which are themselves scale-independent. This sounds very restrictive, but it turns out that a lot of biological structures describe patterns that are independent over a range of, but not all, scales. The branching pattern of tree limbs is independent over a range of scales. The pattern is of the same density whether we look at the tree at the level of its largest branches or its smallest twigs. Of course, we can zoom out so far that we can't see the tree for the forest, or in so far that we're looking at individual leaf buds and the pattern breaks down. But the branching pattern does remain consistent over a remarkable range of scales. The same is true of bronchii, bronchioles, alveoli, and the same is true of arteries, arterioles, and capillaries. We refer to a pattern's independence of scale as self-similarity. It is only to self-similar structures that we can assign a fractional dimension, since to be useful, the dimension must be independent of the scale on which it has been measured. We have a special name for structures that appear the same regardless of scale. They are called fractals. Fractal geometry gives us a quantitative means by which to describe all sorts of things that, until its advent, could only be described qualitatively. We can describe the bumpiness of mountains, since the peaks and crags of mountains are self-similar, the unevenness of shorelines, the density of galaxy clusters. 
Fractals also give us insight into the construction of the patterns. Fractal patterns, even very complex ones like snowflakes, can be built with a very brief set of instructions. That's because fractal shapes are not the results of complex blueprints, but are instead the final outcome, the manifestation of a process. This is a profoundly different way to view the world. Think about it for a second. A car and a snowflake are completely different entities. The car is built according to a set of plans that were themselves as complex as the car they represent. The snowflake, itself quite a complex structure, is the manifestation of a process, and the description of the steps involved in this crystallization process are fairly simple. In contrast to the car, the plans for the snowflake are much less complex than the product they describe. To view structure as a process is to understand the relationship between growth and form. Let me clarify this point by reference to shampoo. Take a look at the instructions on the label of your shampoo. I bet you didn't even know that shampoo has instructions or that anyone would actually require them. Odds are the label says lather, rinse, repeat. The salient word for us today is repeat. Instructions that end in the word repeat are called iterative. Let's try an iterative process. Picture an equilateral triangle. Step one, divide each side of the triangle into thirds. Step two, remove the middle third of each side and replace it with two segments of equal length to the segment you've just removed. Step three, repeat. If you've done things correctly, after the first iteration, your triangle should have morphed into a six-pointed star. After the second and third iterations, the shape should look quite snowflake-like. In fact, this self-similar, scale-independent fractal shape is known as a von Koch snowflake. Its complex shape is the result of a process, the instructions for which consist of only two steps which repeat or iterate. We have all heard the human genome described as our genetic blueprint— but it is, of course, nothing of the sort. It is a set of iterative and contingent instructions and is much more akin to the Van Gogh snowflake plans than it is to the blueprint of an automobile. Let's return to matters ophthalmological. I represent to you that the retinal vasculature is self-similar over a range of scales and that its fractal dimension is consistent over this range. In fact, Next week's guest will present data that suggests exactly that. Might this fractal dimension be useful clinically? Might it even be predictive of pathology? Before we get to these questions, we need to ask something more fundamental. How do we measure fractal dimension? Patterns that exist on a plane are most easily measured by a method called box counting, a method that makes use of the pattern's property of scale independence. It works like this. Picture a vascular pattern. Now, overlay that pattern with a grid and count the number of squares through which at least some of the pattern passes. That is to say, the number of boxes that are not totally empty. Now, zoom in on the pattern, overlay another grid, and do the same thing. In practice, rather than zooming in, we simply choose a new grid with smaller boxes, but effectively, it's the same thing. Now, we plot a graph on which the x-axis 
is the size of the grid boxes, and the y-axis is the number of non-empty boxes. These points will form a line for the range of scales over which the pattern is self-similar, and the slope of this line is the fractal dimension of the pattern. In the real world, these points rarely form a perfect line, and we need to do a least squares regression in order to get our slope, but the concept is the same. Of course, there are numerous other difficulties in measuring the fractal dimension of retinal vasculature, like getting the computer to decide what's a blood vessel and what's retina. But I'll leave these challenges to my guest next week. Until then, you'll just have to live in anticipation. Ask questions of any of our guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These podcasts are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.